Now, we're going to look at the origins of Ireland and Scotland. Geoffrey Keating is one of the very few Gaelic historians. There's also Fiona Cusack, who did the illustrator's history of Ireland, but she, like so many others in Ireland, in their reprobate mind, are basically, they are nothing other than a sign of the times. For the truth has been much hidden with regard to Ireland. And if you look on Wikipedia, for example, as to the origin of the ASC, or what the genteel pagan heathen of Ireland call Undina Ma, or the leprechauns, or the fairies, and their W.B. Yeats, and the rest of their ignorant artists, in a love affair with the unclean evil spirits of the Nephilim. The Nephilim are the ASC. Now, the Irish, in all of their error, for they're nothing but one big mistake of ignorance, and sure God love them, they've been denied the truth by the dirty hood of Gutenberg and Rome. That's right, the sons of disobedience masquerading as the true bride, the true church of Jesus. They even, in their Wikipedia fucking page about the ASC, they even considered the two of the Donad to be leprechauns. That's how ignorant the Irish are. But anyway, in ancient times, Gaelic was written in the Ogham alphabet. Now, the Ogham alphabet, from any graphic design perspective, pretty much reflects the spirit of Ireland. It's like the Irish dance. The Ogham alphabet looks like wooden fucking planks, vertical lines with no flourish or nothing. You might say it's rather utilitarian and functional, but the Ogham alphabet is like the Irish today. Dead fucking android robots. Dead in their Babylon. They're like the Ogham alphabet. Straight, dead lines. Vertically, zero degrees is all they are like their Ogham alphabet. Now, in Geoffrey Keating's work, The History of Ireland, he dates Noah's Flood as 1,656 years after creation, and he uses several sources. His dates for the fall of the Tower of Babel and the Exodus are within six years of Jasher's dates for these events. Keating begins his story 140 years after the flood at 1796 Anno Mundi. And here is a synopsis given in the book Ancient Post-Flood History by Ken Johnson. Now in 1796, Adna, the son of Beot, of the family of Nin, son of Bell first explored Ireland. He came to spy out the land, but did not stay long. 
He returned to his clan to give an account of Ireland, but he never returned. Now, in 1956, Anno Mundi, Partholone, son of Sarah, son of Shrew, son of Estru, son of Fremen, son of Foktok, son of Magog, son of Japet, son of Noah, was the first to occupy the island. Note that he is a Magog, M-A-G-O-G. Partholone came with Dalgnid, his wife, and three sons, Rudrude, Slangha, and Ligline, with their wives and a host of about a thousand. And one account says it was 22 years before Abraham was born, but another says 30 years after the birth of Abraham. 300 years after the flood, Abraham would have been eight years old. The seventh year after Partholone occupied Ireland, the first man of his people died. His name was Fadha, son of Torton, from whom is named Maig Fadha. The reason Partholone fled to Ireland is that while battling his brother over the kingdom, he killed his father and mother. Patricide. Because of their murders, he was driven completely out of the land. This is also why God sent a plague to wipe out all of his people from Ireland. Now, there's your first plague in Ireland. Like the plague of blight of the famine of 1840s. That was also sent by God, but nobody in Irish history will tell you that. Now, about 30 years after Partalone's group was destroyed by the plague, Nimehead, N E I M H E A D H, son of Agnoman, son of Pamp, son of Tat, son of Sarah, S E A R A, son of Shrew, S R U, Fada, son of Aesru, E A S R U, son of Framant, F R A M A N T, son of Foktok, son of Magog. Note again, he's a Magog from the from the son of Japet, Magog being Japet's son, and of course Japet being the son of Noah, came to settle in Ireland. They arrived in thirty-four ships containing thirty persons each. You do the math. One thousand and twenty persons Magogs Nine heads group, or if you want to call them a tribe. And now, a group of Hamites, fearing they could not win a war with the children of Shem because of the curse placed on the sons of Canaan by Noah, left Canaan to find a place of their own Sailing through the Mediterranean Sea, they came to Ireland. They lived on their ships and made a practice of raiding the co coastal towns. 
Now, the Fomorians are the sea thieves. This is why they were called Fomorians, which translates into sea thieves, or as we call them today, pirates. They plagued the coastal communities for a long time, the Hamites, H-A-M-I-T-E-S. Now, they're the first raiders, way before the Scandinavians who worshipped Odin. No different than the Anglo-Saxons of Warwickshire and Pembrokeshire sitting up there in Leinster House today. Now, Simeon Breach, S-I-M-E-O-N-B-R-E-A-C, was the son of Starn, S-T-A-R-N. Also, Starn was the son of Nimehead. He led a group of 5,000 from bondage in Greece to Ireland, 217 years after Nimehead landed there in Ireland. Remember, Nimehead... <coughs> showed up 30 years after Partalone's group was destroyed and if Partalone arrived in 1956 then Nimehead showed up in 1986 Anno Mundi now add to that 217 years so that would have been 2203 Anno Mundi, 217 years after Nimehead landed there. Simeon Break. Now this group was known as the Fear Bulg. This is a, there is a great deal of information in Keating's work about the chieftains of the 5,000 and they were and where they settled and the cities they built and the wars they fought. Now most Irish uh, people would understand the fear bulg as the leather bag carriers of sand for in their bondage in Greece they were pretty much carrying sand in leather bags, building whatever they were building for the Greeks. Now, Iobath, I-O-B-A-T-H, son of Beothoch, B-E-O-T-H-A-C-H, of the posterity of Nimehead, left Ireland and journeyed back to Greece. When a war broke out between Syria and Athens, Eobot or Iobot led his people, the Tuha the Danid, into the war with Athens, fighting against Syria. When Syria defeated the Athenians, Eobot's forces retreated to Europe in fear and eventually returned to Ireland. This is the connection between the two of the Donard and uh, the Europe, in particular France, in southern France. Now, Phineas Farsid, F-E-I-N-I-U-S, F-A-R-S-A-I-D, Magog appointed Boeth, B-O-A-T-H, son of Magog, son of Japheth, son of Noah, the first king of Scythia, 
S-C-Y-T-H-I-A, the Scythians. Now, the Scythians would be associated with the uh, Eurasian plains and the tundras of uh, Russia. And the Magogs, the Irish, are exactly the same as the Russians, for the Russians are also Magogs. So, in a modern socio-political context of... In the context of the fulfillment of the last 11 prophecies of God, you can be sure that there's some co-relationship between the Russians as Magogs, the Irish as Magogs, the Germans and the Anglo-Saxons. And we all know that after the fall of Damascus, the Russians and the Chinese and the Germans will invade Israel. So you can probably come to the conclusion that Ireland, within its geographical landmass, has always been considered geopolitically from a military strategy point of view as a touchdown or a missile base. And you're wondering, and it's only speculation on my behalf, if the Russians will seize Ireland. But since Ireland nowadays really is very much a product of Tarshish, just like America and South Africa and Australia and New Zealand are a product of uh, the United Kingdom. We also know that Tarshish will be neutralized when Russia and China invade Israel. The speculation is they will just wag a finger of disapproval. So it's hard to believe that Ireland caught between the United Kingdom and America, for America will be neutralised too, will be in any way associated with the Magogs of Russia and the invasion of Israel, regardless of some British-Israeli erroneous notions held by Freemasons in Dublin and the corporation with its tribe of Dan, chosen few, madness. But we'll carry on. When Boeth passed the kingdom to his son, Phineas Farsad, Phineas started a school for the sciences. This school began in 1933, Anno Mundi, about 60 years before the fall of the Tower of Babel. The original language was called Gertie Gern, G-O-R-T-I-G-H-E-R-N, but the Latins called it Lingua uh, Humana. The H is silent. When the original language became 70 languages at the fall of the Tower of Babel, Phineas sent students to each language group for about seven years to thoroughly learn each language. Upon their return, he incorporated languages into his school. He originally thought the three principal languages of the world, Greek, Hebrew and Latin. Later, he added many other languages. Some say that because Eber refused to help build the Tower of Babel, he and his family alone retained the original language, which from that time forward was called Hebrew. 
named after Eber or E-B-E-R or Eber, however you pronounce uh, his name. So the original language was Hebrew and also when Jesus returns, those 70 languages will all revert back to Hebrew. Phineas, son of Neul, went from Babylonia to Egypt to set up a school of languages on the Red Sea. Now, this Neul, the son of Phineas Farsed, he married Scotta, S-C-O-T-A, the daughter of a pharaoh. Scotta gave birth to Gaed Heel, G-A-E-D-H-E-A-L, after whom the Gaelic language is named. Gade Heel migrated to Ireland with his kindred and named his settlement after his mother's name, Scotta. Later, the name was changed to Scotland. So, in effect, the Scottish and their Gaelic language are really a combination of an Egyptian and a Magog. Now, just in passing, if you look at Genesis 10.6, there's details of Mizraim, the son of Ham, founded the nation of Egypt. So Mizraim would have been the first king of the first dynasty of Egypt's old kingdom called Menes, M-E-N-E-S, in the Egyptian records. And both Genesis 10.13 and Jasher 7.11 record Mizraim, S-M-I-Z-R-A-I-M. His son, Anom, A-N-O-M, succeeded the throne. Jasher 14.2 records that Anom's son, Osiris, or Os- Osiris, O-S-W-I-R-I-S, became the third king of the first dynasty. And in time, Anam would be deified and worshipped as the Egyptian god Amon-Ra and Osiris as the god Osiris. Now, this would have been, uh, remember, the flood was 1656. So basically, you had Memphis and Elephantine uh, as the first dynasty up until about 2023, Anno Mundi. Now, the old kingdom states Menes, Mizraim, founded the nation of Egypt. The Egyptian records, sorry, mention this, and he built the city of Memphis. Mizraim was killed by a hippopotamus during an expedition further into Africa and uh, so forth anyway but you know just in terms of the son of Phineas Neul marrying the pharaoh's daughter Scotta you can safely deduce that whomever that pharaoh was was pretty much from the first dynasty So, there you have the origins of Scotland and the Gaelic language. Nothing got to do necessarily with Ireland originally, but yet Gaed Heel, you know, 
migrated to Ireland. Today there is a doctrine known as British Israelism. British Israelism teaches the Jews are no longer God's chosen people and they have been replaced by the Celtic peoples of England, Ireland and America. You know, the holier-than-thou Puritans that you find in places like Skibbereen or the likes of John MacArthur in his squeaky clean suit pretending to be of God probably and nothing of God there within. He seems to be very much a part of the prosperity movement of America. Buy my latest book, buy my latest book and make me rich. You know yourself, the Puritans of Scotland and the United Kingdom, off they go to America. So Keating's historical research clearly shows most of British Israelism is very mixed up history. This information can be used to stop this kind of anti-Semiticism, the kind of anti-Semiticism that comes out of the buildings of Dublin Corporation and their love of Palestine and their hatred of Israel. Yeah, an embarrassment to the good Christians of Ireland to see them protesting outside the Israeli embassy in Dublin, I can assure you. We do not know where the majority of the ten tribes are because they were scattered. So they may or may not be intermingled with the Celtic tribes. However, several doctrines of the British Israelite movement are in grave error and some have become cultic and very much associated with the cult of the Grand Lodge of the Freemasons of Dublin, the oldest Freemason Lodge on the earth. And although that cult acknowledges God, it doesn't in any way respect the atonement for sin by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we all know the Masons pretty much worship not God, but Satan in their degrees of hierarchy. And we all know their disobedience to God and their intent with World War One, World War Two, and uh, World War Three. I'm sure they've told us themselves through their Albert Pike Pike indeed, and people's heads were cut off and put on pikes as well. Now all these sons of lawlessness or disobedience are very much all interconnected in their demonic Nephilim society and W.B. Yeats is a very good example because he was very much a part of the Theosophical movement 
which is behind the New Age movement, and very much a practitioner of spiritism, visiting and frequenting and engaging in many a seance and calling up demons and calling down crumbs from fallen angels and very much in a love affair with the fairies or the Nephilim uh, and probably doing so in the utmost ignorance of his time and fashion and way because, you know, most people are nothing other than the enculturation of learned behaviour and nobody's criticising or finding fault with anybody. You know, I'm not a satan of accusation, I'm merely being provocative and admonishing and relaying to you extracts from a book called Ancient Post-Flood History by Ken Johnson. But anyway, back to this British-Israelite movement. The doctrine that the church, or the British, are the ten true tribes, with all the blessings given to Israel, has spread into the doctrine that the Jews in Israel today are rejected by God and are not really Jews at all. Now, if you knew the word of God at all, or God's plan of redemption, or his prophecies, you would know that that is absolute cocky poppycock. Nothing other than the psycho-pumping of megalomanic, deluded, reprobate madmen. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion is a fake work pointing to a supposed conspiracy of Jews. This false document was used to start World War I by the Masons. It was used again by the Nazis in World War II, the Austrian Illuminati, or the Freemasons, but really it's all back to Adam Weizsäck. And they infiltrated the American-British endeavour as well by Saddam in the First Gulf War and many other anti-Semitic groups. Because they're everywhere, you see. They even were behind the architecture of Washington, which is very much an expression of cult and occult in every way. And they seduced and deceived with all of their sophistry and mind idolatry and their fallen, wizened, serpentine propaganda. This is what they do. They pretty much pull the wool over the British in uh, the founding fathers of America. But, you know, that's what it's all about. Uh, war between darkness and light, balanced 50-50. A war of what is seen, the war of human spirits, and a war of what is unseen, the Nephilim terrestrial spirits, the unclean evil spirits who try to control and manipulate man to do the bidding of Satan and the fallen angels in the wicked high places or mid-heaven. And all of this, remember, is overseen by the Most High God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the hosts and armies of heaven high. 
Jews must return, oh then, Daniel's timeline prophecy records that the true Jews must return to their land in AD 1948, the re-establishment of the modern state of Israel. Therefore, whichever group is in power in Israel at the present time have to be the true Jews, which only makes sense, doesn't it, if you were to think about it? But a reprobate mind doesn't think anything other than stinking evil thoughts of self-worship and self-will and doesn't comprehend anything for the Lord doesn't allow it to comprehend anything because the Lord knows the minds of these men. The chart on the following page identifies, well, Johnson gives a chart of the British Israelite errors. So the first error is Dardanus, who founded Troy, was descended from an Israelite king, the Dara of 1 Chronicles 2.6 and 1 Kings 4.31. Well, the error is that, and the fact is, Dardanus was the son of Elisha, the son of Javan, the son of Japheth, the son of Noah, according to several historical do documents. Dardanus built Troy and named it after his son, uh, Troas, Troas. Now, Briton is pretty much Brutus, and the British are Troy, and London was called New Troy before those children of Odin, the Saxons, got their hands on it with their bloody red murdering hand. And, well, the Romans got there first and called it Londinium, but the old Saxons didn't like the Latin reference in all of their Gutenberg protestations, so they dropped the IUM and called it London. But even so, it's always been a house of Roman criminals and, uh, you know, Scandinavian Saxon madmen, if you ask me, London with nothing really about it other than the fact that the Trojans of Brutus, the Britons, have always managed to hold control of the parliament, regardless of the cuckoo monarchy that Rome placed in London. Now, Scotland was named after Scotta, the daughter of Zedekiah. This is the British-Israelite error. Scotland was named after Scotta, the daughter of Pharaoh. Now, the Pharaoh is Nectonibus, when Neul married her and migrated to what is now Scotland. So I was referring to the first dynasty so earlier, but here we have Ken Johnson giving the name of the Pharaoh as Nectonibus, N-E-C-T-O-N-I-B-U-S. Now, the next error is the two of the Donid are the lost tribe of Dan. The two of the Donid were descended from Ayabat, the son of Beotok, of the posterity of Nimhed, the son of Agnaman, the son of Pamp, the son of Tat, the son of Serud, the son of Shru, the son of Esru, the son of Framant, the son of Foktok, the son of Magog, the son of Japheth, the son of Noah. They weren't the lost tribe of Dan. Leafail or F-A-I-L, fail or fail, or the stone of destiny was Jacob's pillar brought to Ireland by Jeremiah the prophet, the British Israelite error, rather fanciful. 
Leah Fattel, or the Stone of Destiny, was brought to Ireland by the two of the Donnet at about 500 or 700 after the Flood, or 1800 to 1600 BC, way before the tribe of Dan left on ships. Cadmus, or of 1 Chronicles 2.6, or 1 Kings 4.31, or Calcol, as he's named, in 1 Chronicles and 1 Kings, C-H-A-L-C-O-L, Cadmus, who founded Athens and Thebes, was an Israelite. This is the British Israelite error. Cadmus was a descendant of the kings of Tyre, uh, who in turn descended from the kings of Sidon. Sidon was settled by Zidon, the firstborn son of Canaan, the son of Ham, the son of Noah. So Cadmus is from the line of Ham. Has nothing got to do with uh, the founding of Athens or Thebes and wasn't an Israelite per se. Uh, the Lacedaemonians or the Spartans, Lacedaemonians or Lacae, Lacedaemonians is the proper pronunciation, I suppose, were descendants of Abraham and therefore heirs to the promise, the Spartans. They may have been descendants of Abraham through Ketra, not Sarah, K-E-T-U-R-A, Josephus 12, 4, 10, and 1 Maccabees 12 is the reference with regard to the Spartans. And the final error of this British-Israelite doctrine. Danas, founder of Argos, was an Israelite prince who did not migrate with Moses to the Promised Land. The descendants of Danas were called the Danai. Now, the fact is that Danas left Egypt and came to Argos, or archives, or archives, in 393 years before Moses led the exodus from Egypt. And that's qualified by Josephus uh, 1.15. The Danai were not connected with the Israelite tribe of Dan. Now, Johnson takes most of his information from History of Ireland, Book 1-3 to by Geoffrey Keating, the Psalter of uh, Cashel or Caesil, Ninius or Nennius, N E N N I U S, uh, the Book of Invasions and the Dialogue of the Ancients. And I suppose, in support to this chapter in from the ancient post flood history book on the origins of Ireland and Scotland. You could look at Fiona Cusack's book, a rather erudite uh, scholar, an illustrated history of Ireland, a uh, very interesting book. But again, she's working from what has gone before her. At a particular time in the 19th century, and you know, all of God's prophecies, even in terms of the gift of prophecy revealed, is really just happening now. It wasn't really happening in the church age of Philadelphia in the 19th century. It's happening now. 
So much that has been concealed in terms of the truth of God is being revealed now as prophecy is being revealed. So Fiona Cusack would have had maybe her eyes limited in terms of how she could or what she could convey at that particular time about the truth of God. But her book is very interesting in many, many ways and is worth reading in tandem with this ancient post-flood history. Not to mention Geoffrey Keating as well and the other references which Fiona Cusack would also reference Nennius's book of invasions and uh, the dialogue of the ancients and the Psalter of uh, Cashel or, or Kaiseel. And she also references many other ancient texts, uh, more so than Geoffrey Keating. And that's pretty much it when it comes to uh, the origins of the Irish and the Scottish again from the posterity of Japheth and Magog and the Magogim and the Scythians, the sons of Nimehead and the Fomorian sea thief Hamites and the Fearbolg and the two of the Donad again from the line of Magog. Uh, just like the Russians are from the line of Magog. So it's fair to say now that the Anglo-Normans and the Anglo-Saxons are the Germans, and the Irish Magogs really are Gomers and Magogs in a way. And uh, you can consider their relationship to the Most High God in the context of what God says about them in the Word of God. And also the Romans, Kittim from Javan. Well, Javan's children are the Greeks, Ionians, Macedonians. And of course, Elisha would be the Aeolians and Lombardy and Tarshish would be uh, Brittian and Cilicia. I'm reading from the Table of Nations, which Johnson compiled using Genesis, Jasher and Josephus. So, not to mention the Trojans, which are from Javan's son, Dodanum. And Tuscany, Italy, and Iberas from Tubal. Tubal, a very interesting, uh, mighty man of renown, who very much was the first martial artist and also wielding a sword of iron. So that's it. Uh, if you're interested, I suppose, go to the book depository or Amazon website and get yourself a copy of Ancient Post-Flood History by Ken Johnson, who has a doctrine in theology.
It's a Christian timeline of ancient post-flood history based on Bible chronology, the early church fathers and the ancient Jewish and secular history. And you can use it as a companion guide in the study of creation science. There you go. Learn the true origins of the countries and people of France, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Ireland, Scotland, Greece, Italy, Russia, Egypt, Israel, Iraq, Iran, China, the Arabs, the Kurds and more. And certain questions being answered. Who were the pharaohs in the times of Joseph and Moses? When did the famine of Joseph occur? What Egyptian documents mention these? When did the exodus take place? Who was Zeus and where was he buried? Who was the first king of a united Italy? And so forth and so on. How large was Nimrod's invasion force that set up the Babylonian Empire and when did this invasion occur? What is Nimrod's name in Persian documents? And how can we use this information to witness to unbelievers? Now, Ken Johnson is an author and lecturer who speaks on a variety of issues related to Bible prophecy, ancient history and the apostasy that will form in the church in the last days and it's well underway the apostasy is he received a doctorate in theology from the christian college of texas texarkana texas in 1989 and he also is the author of the websites biblefacts.org creationhistory.us and wordofprophecy.net and this book is published by biblefacts.org but the book is readily available from www.thebookdepository.com which is a branch off of Amazon it's owned by Amazon I think Amazon in its wholesale distribution management is offloading its book selling to the book depository website the same book you can buy from amazon.co.uk but you'll pay seven euros delivery charge where it's free from the book depository and i think amazon are giving the free delivery on the book depository website to get you all buying books from the bookdepository.com website because I think they're clearing the sale of books out of the main body of Amazon. I may be wrong, I may be right, but it appears to be just a strategy of wholesale managerial technique anyway. So why pay seven euros for the book in terms of delivery charge from www.amazon.co.uk or you know the website. Go to the book depository website, buy the same book and save yourselves seven euros. Now, that may be penny pinching, but a poor man like me can only but pinch every last European cent because the money isn't in my house. I ain't worshipping it or pursuing it. And the little I get in terms of social welfare payments, job seekers allowance, well, you know yourself, you're 
pretty much living from week to week. But that's okay, the Lord is good and in many ways so are the people of Ireland and so is the Irish Republican modern nation state. So God bless you all and the Lord have mercy on us all and remember that Jesus is absolute complete knowledge but above all Jesus is absolute pure love and none of us can know the depths of Jesus Christ. We can only aspire to be his friend in every way.